Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. Historians have estimated that in the last 3,500 years of human history, that only 268 of those years have been free from war in some capacity. Roughly 8% of recorded human history has been free from, from warfare. Let that settle in for just a moment. While you think about the last 3,500 years and what you know about that time, just in the last 20th century, uh, it is estimated that 108 million people were killed as a result of war. In the history of humanity, it is estimated that as many as a billion people have been killed as a result of armed conflict and warfare. Needless to say, peace has been a goal that has been difficult to reach. Now, uh, of course, war is not the only thing that represents an absence of peace. In our own days, we've seen violent protests that have erupted in our streets. We've witnessed murders on the screens of our smartphones and devices. We've seen violent crime and domestic abuse in our generation. For crying out loud, every 96 seconds in the United States of America, an abortion is committed meaning that a mother's womb is the most, one of the most deadly places on the planet in our country alone claiming 900 lives each and every single day. Let us not forget, of course, the myriad of conflicts that rage every day in broken homes, uh, in broken churches, in broken lives. We look at all this and we ought to... We ought to find ourselves asking this question, where exactly is the Prince of Peace in all of this conflict? If the kingdom of God is at hand, as Jesus said it was on so many different occasions, then why do we not see peace flourishing in our generation? Particularly as we see the kingdom of God being proclaimed toward the ends of the earth. You know, our next beatitude continues a blistering attack on our hearts. And, and, you know, we need our hearts to be in the crosshairs of reform from time to time. One of my mentors would, would often apologize to folks when preaching. They would come up to him after a service and they would say, Preacher, you really stepped on our toes today. To which he would reply, I'm truly sorry. I was not aiming for your toes. For the believer, the Beatitudes is, is, is taking a scalpel of truth and is working meticulously on our hearts. For the one who's yet to trust in Christ, the, Jesus wants to do a radical surgery on our hearts. He wants to give us a new heart, indeed a heart transplant. As we consider the seventh Beatitude, we look around at all the unrest in our world today and it begs the question, could it be that we lack peace because we've forsaken our call to be peacemakers? 
Open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to ask an important question. Am I a peacemaker? Am I someone who, who not only avoids conflict, but do I actively pursue peace with my fellow man? If you've got your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 5, I would invite you to stand with me as we read these Beatitudes yet again. We are to be working on memorizing these, so hopefully you have made progress as we work through these short statements each week. Beginning in Matthew chapter 5, we see Jesus' words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And finally, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Father, we're grateful for the Sermon on the Mount, for the significance of what it teaches, for the surgery that it performs on our hearts. Today, Lord, may we not just be peaceful, but may we be peacemakers. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Jesus' notice in this beatitude did not make the following statement. He did not say, blessed are the peaceful. He did not say, blessed are the peaceful. Now, hear me correctly. There's nothing wrong with a peaceful person. I know there's a lot of people who will work to avoid conflict in all kinds of different circumstances and situations. Maybe you've been around people like that. Uh, I've been to dinner with people like this before at a restaurant, and, and you know these folks. They go to a restaurant to eat, and, and the meal comes out, and there's, there's something wrong with the meal. Something was not right on their dish. Their steak was, was overcooked or undercooked. There was something on the, the meal that you had asked to be left off. And I've been around people who will encounter that situation and they hate conflict so much that they will either not eat their meal or eat it prepared incorrectly simply to avoid the conflict that's inevitable with the server or the manager or the cook. Maybe you are that person. You say, I'll just deal with it. I don't want to deal with the conflict. I don't want to, I don't want to go there at this meal. Now, sometimes there's people like that that, uh, that, that not only are, uh, will avoid conflict in those kind of social situations, but maybe you know people who, who get taken advantage of all the time because they don't want to deal with conflict. Well, Jesus is not encouraging us to be doormats here. He's not saying, let the world run over you because you are to be a peaceful person. It's not the peaceful who are blessed. It's the peacemakers in this beatitude. Again, nothing wrong with being peaceful as long as you're not someone who's taken advantage of. There's, there's nothing wrong with avoiding unnecessary conflict but there is more to this beatitude than just sitting back, watching the world go by, watching the world crumble while we mind our P's and our Q's. You see, peacemaking in this beatitude, it is not a description of one's condition, but it is a description, a statement of one's vocation. 
At the same time, peacemaking is not about eliminating conflict as much as it is bringing about reconciliation. To understand this, we need to look to Jesus, who is the ultimate example for us, because Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. He is the ultimate reconciler. And we see this on two different levels. He, first and foremost, reconciles us to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18 say this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, Jesus actively brought peace and reconciliation to this relationship. He did not sit on the sideline and hope that we figured it out. Guys, you're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. You'll figure it out eventually. That's not what Jesus did. When Jesus reconciles us to God, Jesus took decisive costly action to ensure that this relationship would be corrected. I don't need to go into the details today of what Christ did to, in, to, to repair that damaged relationship, to bring reconciliation to that relationship. However, the Bible makes it very clear that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, we are alienated from God. We have zero hope of getting it right. There is nothing about us that will allow us to get this relationship restored by our own efforts and by our own merit. However, Jesus, by taking our place on the cross, by paying, giving his life for our sins, by paying the debt that we were due, functioning as our substitute, he secured all that is necessary to bring about reconciliation between God and man. Jesus was a peacemaker. Jesus created peace where there was no peace. Jesus created reconciliation where reconciliation was not possible. Jesus secured that reconciliation for us and offers to us the opportunity to have our relationship with God straightened out. But secondly, Jesus provides for reconciliation between people, between men, men and women. Speaking to Gentiles, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember, Paul says, that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. What's he talking about there? He's talking about this division between Jew and, and Gentile. And that bitter divide between Jew and Gentile represented one of the most bitter conflicts in the ancient world. And through Jesus... Paul says, a pathway to reconcile the two was made. Again, Jesus did so through decisive action. He did not go to Twitter and share his opinion about what is wrong with the world and that Jews and Gentiles should work harder to get along together. Instead, he took decisive action. He did not write an editorial piece to an influential newspaper. Jesus made peace where peace had never existed. 
between two groups of people. Paul takes that reconciliation further in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Listen very carefully. This is so relevant to where we are today. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We are living in a society, in a world today, that wants to separate us into all the different subgroups that it can be separated into. Black and white and Hispanic and Asian, and it doesn't matter. We want to separate it all into different groups and then pit those groups against one another. And Paul says, through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's all irrelevant. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It matters the condition of your heart. And that's the world in which we live today. And the church should be declaring that boldly from its pulpits and boldly to the streets that it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It matters that you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I would hope and pray that regardless of the color of someone's skin, if a brother in Christ walked into these doors, regardless of whether they're black, white, yellow, green, doesn't matter that if they follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they're received as a brother or sister in Christ. This bitter racial conflict in which we currently find ourselves is the exact antithesis of what Christ has done in the gospel. And if churches aren't proclaiming that, they're not proclaiming the good news of Christ. As followers of Christ... We need to be working toward reconciling these divides and healing these conflicts. By his action, Jesus created peace. But he didn't just make peace between groups of people. He made reconciliation possible between individuals as well. Through, through concepts like radical forgiveness, you may know of many of Jesus' statements about forgiveness. Lord, how many times should we forgive somebody when they, when they wrong us? Uh, seven times? <laughs> no, keep counting. Uh, keep counting. There's no limit. Jesus taught radical forgiveness. Paul taught in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, be kind to one, or, one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How much? How much should we forgive each other? What's the extent of our forgiveness, uh, Lord? And Paul says, as God in Christ forgave you. Wow. That's how much I should forgive my brother to the same level that God's forgiven me in Christ. Jesus is the ultimate example for us of being a peacemaker. But here's the thing about peacemaking. Peacemaking demands honesty. Last week we talked about the fact that being pure in heart meant that we had to deal with the deceit that's in our heart. Whether we seek to deceive ourselves or God. Peacemaking requires that we look at the world in our own hearts with absolute, even painful, honesty. 
Uh, again, the Beatitudes are not a stroll down a, 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 candy, ca a candy cane and cupcake world where everything is, everything's hunky-dory and peachy keen. The Beatitudes are, are hard, and they ask us to look hard in, in a hard way at our hearts. Peacemaking demands honesty. It demands that we look at the world and our own hearts in that capacity. And you remember Jesus. And for example, in John chapter 4, Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. There was an intriguing encounter that takes place there. Jesus is, is near a Samaritan village, and, and, and there is this woman who is there, and Jesus begins to interact with this woman. And this woman showed up with a lot of baggage. <laughs> Man, she had baggage. Not unlike a lot of the people that we encounter in our day-to-day -day life. Show me somebody without baggage, and I'll show you somebody who hasn't lived. But this woman had a particular set of, of sinful issues in her life. And, and Jesus is a peacemaker. Remember that. And, and this lady in, in John chapter 4, she had a lot of unrest in her life, a, a lack of peace in her life. Well, Jesus, as a peacemaker, looks at the situation, and he doesn't tiptoe around. He, he doesn't ignore what's going on in this woman's life. He looks at her, and he calls it like it is. <laughs> He says, you're right, ma'am, in saying that you have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now, the one you're living with now, is not your husband. We hear that and we say, I'd be afraid to say that to her. Because this is, this is obviously a woman of ill rapport. It's not that these husbands, that she's a, she's a five-time widow lady. Uh, it wouldn't have been called out in this way. She's, she's been up to something. And Jesus calls attention to it, to, to speak peace into this situation. Jesus, again, he has perfect vision. He knows the heart. But he doesn't gloss over this reality to make a new friend. He doesn't pretend it's not the condition to make her like him. In fact, his honest confrontation with this woman leads her to become a, a de facto evangelist. She doesn't go back to her village and saying, I just met the most judgmental man on the planet. You won't believe what he said. Honey, let's go back and say something ugly to him. Instead, she goes back to her village and she says what? He told me everything that I've ever done. And all the people come and they hear and they believe because of the testimony of this woman. Because Jesus dealt with her in truth, but he dealt with her in love because Jesus is a peacemaker. They were alienated. They were ostracized, these Samaritans. But reconciliation was possible because Jesus dealt with this problem with honesty. Folks, we need some serious honesty today as we look at where we are. And where we find ourselves. We need some serious honesty today as we look at our own hearts. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with our communities. See, we're not going to be agents of peace if we aren't willing to call spades spades. Again, we can do so in a way that's loving, but we can't pretend that the unrest that we have in our lives, our homes, and our churches is acceptable in the kingdom of God. 
And when we see it, we need to call it what it is, not just stand on the sidelines with judgmental glares, but actively work towards reconciliation and peace. So here's a question. How do we make peace in the year 2020? <laughs> I saw somebody had uh, a meme that had been floating around for so long was talking about how much somebody was looking forward to New Year's Eve, not to see 2021 in, but to make sure that 2020 is gone. How do we make peace in this strange new world in which we live? You know, we need to acknowledge that we don't have much control over the course of world events. I don't have a lot of say-so in, in the, the military strategies that are taking place around the world. I can certainly have opinions about whether we should be in this conflict and not in this conflict, whether our troops should be there and not there. I, I'm entitled to those opinions, but, but in as much as, as this position at Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church is, is of tremendous influence I don't have the Oval Office's phone number and can ring into the Resolute desk and tell the president what I think. And I think that's true for most of us, all of us. None of us have a lot of control in that regard. However, each and every single one of us does have some level of control in our closest institutions. And as Christians who love the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to work to make peace in those closest institutions, our homes, our churches, our communities, our businesses. You know, during the heat of the riots and protests that occurred last month, our cities were devastated by violence and damage and destruction, but something started to happen on the mornings after the protest. You can see video of this if you go and do a simple Google search. But what you see happening is, is during the heat of these, these protests, there were some people who took to social media to express their opinion about the matters. And I can assure you that those opinions expressed on social media were 100% effective in changing 0% of minds. On the mornings after the protest, though, something else started to happen. Churches began to show up in downtown areas with trash bags and gloves, and pressure washers and brooms. Churches began to come in and clean up on the morning after the protest. That's actively working toward peace. It's a sad commentary today that even our churches, places that are literally expected to be filled with peacemakers, are so frequently places of conflict and arguments, feuds and hurt feelings, grudges and backbiting. When I was in seminary, I was taking a class. Uh, we called the class How to Be a Baptist because that's really what it was. They were talking about Baptist church, Baptist, all that kind of stuff. And the guy that taught it was a missionary with the Alabama Baptist Convention. And during the time of introduction, when he stood up to introduce himself and tell us what the class was about, he was, he's supposed to be pro-Alabama Baptist, and he stood up and he talked about how many churches had started in the state of Alabama at that particular year. And it was a number that sounded somewhat impressive to seminary students, but one of the more astute young men in the class raised his hand and said, Dr. So-and-so, are those churches that were, were planted or churches that were split? 
The professor was taken aback by the question, and he said, well, we love children no matter how they're born. But the reality is, is how many churches split over nonsense, silly issues that in 10,000 years won't matter a bit. Peacemaking ought to be extended everywhere that we as followers of Jesus go. Some of you in this room, listening online, some of you can identify long-standing conflict and hurt feelings that you need to deal with. You can look at your life and you can see a definitive moment when a relationship was damaged, when trust was violated, when peace was dissolved. Some of us need to look around in our homes and resolve today that we will be peacemakers in our families, in our marriages. Some of us need to make marked changes in our business to ensure that our workplace is a place of peace, not of conflict. Some of us listening today even have the opportunity to bring peace to government and civic institutions. As Christians, everywhere we go, we should be making peace. We also need to understand that as we seek to make peace in 2020, that peacemaking is not avoiding necessary conflict. Understand the word necessary there. We don't go along to get along, has been the case for many. There are obviously times when conflict is necessary. For example, if I stood at this sacred desk and I began to teach things that were not in accordance with this sacred word, that is a time when conflict is absolutely necessary. If I started teaching doctrines that were inconsistent with the Scriptures, then you should not tolerate it. You should challenge me or anyone who would stand here and say something contrary to the Word of God. It could be that I lack understanding and need to be corrected. It could be that I'm a false teacher and need to be put out of the church. That's conflict that is necessary. It's, it's important as we seek to adhere to biblical principles. Maybe there's a brother in Christ, a brother in the church who's living in gross unrepentance and sin. The Bible tells us that brother needs to be confronted. Maybe they need help. Maybe they need accountability. It could be that they need the gospel. But we can't turn a blind eye to it without at least working to be peacemakers, to be reconcilers. In our world of social media, we also need to remember this. Peacemakers can't be pot stirrers. If you live in the South, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Peacemakers can't be pot stirrers. If you find yourself constantly in the midst of drama, you need to ask yourself a serious question. Why? Why is my life so characterized by drama and discord? If your go-to when you go online is to be a troll or to be a jerk to somebody, if you think your spiritual gift is criticism, well, you're not a peacemaker. Man, the wisdom of Proverbs speak to this. If you think the Beatitudes are surgical, wait till you read Proverbs. Listen to these, listen to these words from Proverbs 18.6. A fool's lips walk into a fight, 
and his mouth invites a beating. It used to be that if you said something ugly to somebody, that there was always the, the recourse of, some, of that other person's fist in, in, in engaging your face. But now we have the means to say ugly things to people through a keyboard, and the worst thing they can do is block you. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife. Listen, every fool will be quarreling. That means that if you're constantly fussing, the Bible has a four-letter word for that behavior. It is the behavior of a fool. Lastly, peacemakers must be great commission-minded. We recognize the greatest need for reconciliation is first, not between man and man, but between man and God. If you go back to 2 Corinthians 5, the last thing Paul said in that verse I read earlier is that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. This means that if we are to be peacemakers, we must be gospel-focused. We understand that the, the greatest tool to bring people out of enmity and strife and conflict is for them to be given new hearts through the power of the gospel. And we see this work of reconciliation at work through the ministry of Jesus. Nicodemus, for example, recognized his failures. The very first thing he wanted to do in response to his encounter with Jesus is let me make right everything that I've done wrong. Let me pay back those that I've stolen from. Let me try to reconcile with those that I have damaged. If we are to be peacemakers, we must recognize the role of the gospel in the work. What's the payoff to be a peacemaker? The Beatitude says that you'll be called sons of God. I guess to be politically correct, we can allow daughters of God to also be put in there as well. The point is not a statement of adoption, however, there are other places in the Bible where we get this statement of adoption, where we are adopted into the family, but that's not what this is. This is not a statement of adoption. This is a statement of character. In the same way Jesus' status as the Son of God, it meant that he perfectly reflected the character of God the Father. So too, peacemakers receive the status of being a son of God, meaning that in the ministry of peacemaking, in the, in the creation of peace, our character is closely aligned with the character of God in this regard. In other words, one of the hallmarks of salvation is that we become peacemakers, reconcilers. As with the other Beatitudes, if you find that you lack the character of being a peacemaker then there's a couple of things that you need to deal with. The first is certainly the most serious. Are you certain that you were born again? Especially if you start going back up this list and you find that you're not altogether interested in the character described by the Beatitudes. Purity of heart sounds boring. Being merciful sounds like a weakness. Your hunger and thirst are for things altogether different than righteousness. Meekness eludes you. You are indifferent to your sin rather than overcome with grief. If, if I have described you just now, the likelihood is, is that you are not born again. 
I cannot see your heart, only see your symptoms. And there are some serious symptoms that need the attention of a great physician. If you find yourself not drawn towards peacemaking, you should ask yourself the hard question, am I truly born again? But there are many who are Christians who, who find that they're not in the midst of peacemaking. And I would ask you this question, what has so hardened your heart that you prefer strife and unrest to peace? I've met some people in my life who seem to be perpetually miserable. You may know folks like that. They're, they're perpetually miserable. Their life seems to be most complete when they're in the middle of something. Not bringing peace, but in the middle of stirring the pot. I cannot understand how someone can be a Christian who has been redeemed, whose heart has been transformed, who's been given a new outlook on life. I cannot understand how someone in that predicament could be miserable perpetually. But I tend to find the case so often is that the perpetually miserable, the grumpy, the sullen saints, the complainers, there's something in their life that has hardened their hearts. There's old hurts that they won't let go of. There's a lack of reconciliation between themselves and their fellow man. And more than anything today, they need to find peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of living in constant upheaval and unrest, they need to find peace in Jesus. If that's you today, there's an invitation extended to you to take the hand of the ultimate peacemaker the one who not only has reconciled you to God, but who's also given you everything you need to be reconciled to man. Would you pray with me, please? God, thank you for the command, the instructions to be peacemakers. Lord, as we seek to be a people who who make peace. May we recognize the, the gospel call on our lives to do so. May we recognize that ultimately what is wrong with our world, the unrest, the violence, what we are seeing happen before our eyes, it's a gospel problem. And we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, and so if we want to see our world transformed. It is only transformed when the saints of the Lord Jesus Christ will take seriously the ministry of reconciliation. That we will work not only to help man see his need to be reconciled with God, but that the outworking of that is that we will work to be reconciled with one another. Through whatever divides us, whether it is those long-standing divisions of race, 
whether it is the idea of inequalities, differences of, of opinion, whatever it is that divides us, may we find reconciliation through the gospel. Lord, let us be peacemakers today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.
been good to worship the Lord Jesus Christ today, amen? It's good to be together, uh, and uh, you know, we're, uh, we've got a long road ahead of us, and uh, we're going we're gonna to hit some bumps along the way uh, as, we, uh, as we try to figure out what's best. I, I read an interesting article this week that was, um, that was speaking to some of the mistrust that we have about the, the current age, and uh, the article made the point, I thought it was really good, it said, um, said that most of the time that when we learn something about science, diseases, things like that, that we only learn about it once the process is finished. Um, you know, we didn't really learn about the theory of relativity when Einstein was doing the math problem. You know, we figured that out once it was a finished product. And they said that this is one of the first times that in history where we've watched scientists try to learn. And they release information as they go because they think it'll help us to make better decisions, but sometimes that information's wrong, and they have to walk it back. And so, as a consequence, we kind of have to feel our way along with them. And so, uh, so we're going we're gonna to work our way towards the goal, and, um, and one day we're going to take the ropes down, and we're going to have Sunday school classes on Sunday morning, and we're going to have orchestra and choir, and we're going to do all those things. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to feel our way along, kind of feel our way through and uh, trust the Lord to walk with us along the way. And uh, certainly appreciate you guys joining us in the journey as we, uh, as we work our way in that direction. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday night, so uh, we'll have kids ministry going on, student ministry and uh, prayer meeting on Wednesday night. So, uh, so you will, uh, of course, um, in a normal location. So if you've been coming on Wednesday and we had to skip last week, uh, we'll, be, we'll be back over in the fellowship hall. Um, but uh, but it's it's encouraging to to start to work in that direction, and uh, we're going to trust the Lord to uh, to protect us as we as we go. Uh, continue to pray for uh, it's twelve o'clock, and in just a couple hours, I suspect that many of our churches on the west coast are about to gather, and it's uh, the news is probably going to be shocking today. Uh, so pray for those believers as they figure out what today needs to look like in their life. So I'm glad you guys are here. Let's pray together before we're dismissed. Don't forget to please exit through the office foyer as you leave today. Offering plates are on your way out the door. Let's, uh, let's pray together. God, we're grateful for this day, for the, those gathered here. We're thankful for those gathered at home. And uh, Lord, we're, uh, Lord, we know that we're, we're trying to figure this out along the way. And, and the Bible says that if we lack wisdom that we should ask and you'll grant. And so, Lord, we do humbly come, at you, come before you today acknowledging that, that uh some of these problems are bigger than any of us, and we don't have all the right answers. But Lord, may we be wise, may we be charitable to one another, and patient with one another as we work towards uh, understanding where we currently are. Uh, Lord, bless these folks who are here and, and uh, continue to watch over our church as we seek to be a light of the gospel, uh, bringing the ministry of reconciliation to our community. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.